My name is Peyton Menzemeyer. I'm one of the ministers here, and I am so glad to and honored to continue this sermon series that we are in titled The Carols of the Faith. Now, before we get too far in this message, I want to give two small plugs. My first plug is a reminder or an invitation to come back next week. So we're going to be continuing our sermon series, and we're going to be doing the carol away in the manger. And I'm telling you people, you're going to want to be here. Bring your kids, bring your wife, bring your grumpy uncle, bring them all, because next week is going to be absolutely amazing right here, same time as we continue the series. My second plug is about, what Tracy already mentioned it, our acapella Christmas, right here, 5 p.m. We're gonna be singing all of the Christmas classics, we're gonna be singing all of the carols of the faith, but we're not just gonna be singing them with each other. We've had over 400 people online from our community express interest tonight. That's a lot of people from our community, people that you wouldn't even imagine would maybe even step foot in a church are gonna come and sing these songs of faith with us. So you would be surprised, so I, I encourage you not just to come, but to invite somebody to come with you, to sing out while you're here, and just to enjoy our time together. Now, we are very aware that the sun goes down fairly early these days, and we do not want it getting dark to be a reason you don't come. I'm not promoting that you drive if it's unsafe for you to drive at night. Instead, I'm asking if, if you're worried about driving at night, please let one of the leaders know. We will do everything we can to arrange a ride so you can get to and from your home safely. We want you to join us. Don't let pride, don't let inconvenience, don't let any of that stuff get in the way of being with your church family and enjoying this event with us. So 5 p.m. tonight, if you need a ride, let us know. Afterwards, we'll have cookies. There's gonna be arts and crafts for the kids over there. It's gonna be a great time, five o'clock tonight. I hope you'll be here. Now, if you are new here this morning, <clears throat> I wanna tell you a little bit about me because I, I'm a little, I'm a guy with a crazy shirt up here and you're wondering who is this guy and why should I be listening to him for the next some odd minute. So I'm Peyton, like I mentioned, I've been married for 10 years. I have uh, two little boys under the age of three that keep me old, not young, they keep me old. My wife and I have officially found gray hairs on our head and on my face. It's a rough time in the Menzemeyer house these days. Don't tell Darian, I told you she has a gray hair. My wife is way too good for me. And we have been here in Vero for over five years now. And we have fallen in love with this community. We have fallen in love with this church. I'm telling you, if you are visiting this morning, and I'm biased, but you will not find a better, more genuine and loving church family than this one right here. I mean, this, whenever we say we care for you, we count on you, we mean it. And you will, if you stay long enough, you will experience that for yourself. Now, <clears throat> something you should also know about me is I love the Christmas season, obviously. <laughs> Somebody uh, um, said I should dial it down for my holiday sweater um, from last week, and so I dialed it down a bit, and here we go. I think every Christmas, every neighborhood in the Christmas season needs that Clark Griswold kind of character, the one who like blows up their house with Christmas lights, and I aspire to be that in my neighborhood. Like I wanna be the guy that everybody's little boy is saying, hey mom, hey dad, why isn't our house have that many Christmas lights? 
Why don't we have that many inflatables in our yard? Because I love the Christmas season. I love the music, I love the whole deal. I remember one time in college, Darian and I had this assignment where we had to go to various churches and visit them during the Christmas season, come back, write a report, and turn it into class. And we were visiting this one church, and they did all of the classic stuff you might expect in Christmas time. We sang all the songs, White Christmas, Silent Night, and we got to Little Drummer Boy. And we're singing that song, and I don't know why, but something stood out to me. We were singing this song, and in my peripheral, I saw a lady who was just like absolutely engrossed in worship. Her eyes were closed, her hands were up. I mean, she was going all out in worship for Little Drummer Boy. And I remember having the thought, how strange. Like, can you, are you allowed to worship God with Christmas music? These are the thoughts that went through my head. Like I had to actually look at the lyrics of the song as we were singing them to realize that God has planted a lot of power and truth in a lot of these Christmas carols. But for me, before, these were just Christmas songs. They just made you feel good, you remember them. But there is real truth hidden in some of these songs and that's really what this sermon series is all about. Because it's Christmas time. People are singing songs of all different, all different kinds. They're singing them all over the world. And we want you to hear these, what we're calling the carols of the faith in a new way. We're looking at uh, just a couple of beloved carols and trying to find and to hear for the first time God's truth that's embedded in some of them so that whenever you sing them throughout the season, this one and following ones, it can be a time of worship for you as well. So today in our carol that we're gonna be looking at is O Come All Ye Faithful, one of my personal favorites. This song was originally written in Latin. It was given the name Adio Fideles. It was written by John Francis Wade. He was an 18th century hymnist. So this song has been around for quite a long time. It was translated to English in 1841 by a Frederick Oakley, and he's the one who gave it the name that we know, O Come All Ye Faithful. It is a carol <clears throat> that has stood the test of time, has been sung throughout the ages, and so Without further ado, let me sing to you a solo rendition of O Come All Ye Faithful. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Some of you are like squirming. You're like, please don't do this. Please don't do this. No, I want you to enjoy your time at the Vero Beach Church of Christ. And so we're going to let our praise team lead all of us in singing O Come All Ye Faithful. Let's sing it together. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Yea, Lord, we bless thee. Born are our salvation. 
salvation, O Jesus, forever be thy name adored. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing, O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but that song, every time I hear it, is a little bit daunting, right? The words are a little daunting, especially in that first line where it says, O come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Now, during this holiday season, I often feel the exact opposite. I don't feel faithful or joyful or triumphant. Many times I can often feel defeated or de depressed or deflated or doubtful. You know, often whenever I'm in that moment of feeling that way, I think to myself, I should be the last person Jesus is calling to him. Like, why would Jesus want me of all people? Because this is not who I feel like I am more often than not. Maybe you can relate. We just went through a, uh, a series all on our finances last month, making change, where we talked about less is more and stress is bad and giving is good and tomorrow matters. We talked about budgeting and we talked about our finances. And many of you are not feeling very triumphant as you think about your finances. You think, man, I really thought I would be somewhere different in my life 10 years ago than I am today. I don't feel triumphant. Some of you, it's in your relationships. Maybe you are rocky in your marriage or you just went through a divorce or you just got through a bad breakup. Maybe you've been putting a line out in the line, no fish are biting, right? You've just been single and you don't have any hope. And you don't really feel triumphant, don't really feel joyful, you think to yourself, I, I imagine myself 10 years ago where I would be today and this doesn't seem like it matches what I wanted. You know, whenever I feel, whenever I think about this, I feel like the joy has just been sucked out of me, like a vacuum, gone. And often when joy is taken from us, it's replaced by something else. For me, it's often in frustration. I don't know why, I just, I can sometimes easily get frustrated. You know where this happens most? It happens whenever I go shopping. Yeah, I don't, I doesn't, I don't go shopping often, but whenever I do, I get all my items and I get to the checkout line and every single time, there's two lines with the exact same amount of people in it. And every single time, 50-50 shot, I always choose the slowest line. Every time. And by the time I realize that it's slowest, I've already locked in. I've already got three, I'm dedicated, I'm going all the way. But who is it that I see at the front of the line but a lady checking out her groceries with a check? Are you kidding me? It is 2023, almost 2024. Who is paying for our groceries with checks anymore? 
Or even worse, and I know there's some of you in here, you have that lady that gets to the front of the line and she has her coupon book. I know, I see you. I don't even know where you get coupons anymore. Like, is there a coupon store out there? Do you get like a coupon catalog? Right? Or my, my least favorite one is the person at the front who, get, who grabs the one zucchini that doesn't have a barcode on it. And so they're w- radioing back, hey, price check on zucchini, and you know nobody's on the other side of the line checking zucchini. So you're just sitting there waiting, and I just get so frustrated, and I don't know why, it just happens. And I wonder in those moments, as I'm looking at this song, like, does Jesus really want me? The guy who gets so frustrated at little old ladies who are just trying to save a couple of bucks with their coupon. Am I really who Jesus wants? But here's the good news. The news that you need to hear this morning, the news that I need to hear whenever I'm in line, frustrated, or whenever I'm experiencing doubt in my faith and I'm washed over by guilt, or those moments whenever I feel anxious, and it it overcomes my thoughts whenever I want to seclude myself from everybody else, here's what I need to hear, is that Jesus is not scared of broken people. He's not scared of broken people. In fact, let's take a look at who exactly Jesus does call. Come to me, all who are, for example, weak, and burdened, weak, as in, I don't have the capacity to do what I want to do. We often think physical weakness. In today's world, it's often mental weakness. I don't have the capacity to get my mind to where it needs to be. I'm weak, burdened, who feel the weight of the world on their shoulders, the weight of their family, the weight of their guilt, the weight of their job on their shoulders, and they're weighed down, and Jesus says, come to me. You don't have to have the answers. You don't have to feel like you have it all together. Just come. I'll do something with that. Another person Jesus calls are the sinners. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. I have not come for the righteous, but I have come for the unrighteous, for the sinners to call them to repentance. It's almost as if you could rewrite our song To say something like, oh, come all ye sinners, the wearied and the burdened. This is why you didn't get a solo from me. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. He said, Jesus isn't afraid of the broken, but Jesus doesn't leave you broken. He says, come to me, all who are weary. Come to me, all who are burdened. Come to me, all who have messed up in the past, and I will do something with you. I'm not afraid of you. Come to me. Even the people who are like, well, I've tried everything else. I've tried everything the world has to offer, and I'm still empty-handed. I guess I'll give Jesus a try. I mean, what, what is there to lose? Jesus says, come on. Come on. I'll take you too. And whenever you answer Jesus' call, that is, you say, I am willing to submit myself to you, Jesus. You are Lord. I will, I will give up all my desires, all my needs, all my wants. I will solely look to you. Whenever you do that, the Bible says something beautiful happens. You want to know what it is? 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, that is, I have given my life to him. He is a new creature. 
The old version of you has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, there's some of you here this morning who think, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know if I actually want to be new. You know what? I kind of like the way that I am today. I kind of like how anxious I get or depressed I can get or worried I feel or, uh, or, or stressed out I can get from time to time because change is uncomfortable. And I would rather just stick to what I know than to trust Jesus with something I don't know. And if that's you, if you are more comfortable with who you are today, that you are not willing to give up who you are today, Jesus isn't for you. you can, Jesus will allow you to stay exactly how you are. You have that choice. But if you are ready to throw that away, to get something new, to be renewed and fresh, then Jesus has everything to offer you. Some of you here today, you're in this room, you were invited by a friend. You don't even know why you're here. You're like, who is this guy with the wacky shirt up here talking to me? Somebody sent you a text message that said, hey, I know you haven't been to church in a while, can you just join me, right? I have a seat saved next to me, I would love if you would join me. Some of you, you found us online. We have a lot of people who just find us online, maybe have never stepped foot in a church and they walked in today and they're here and they're wondering what does God have to offer them? Is this thing really worth it? And now God is stirring. He's doing something inside of you and maybe it is that God wants you to hear, you do not have to stay who you are today that you are offered something new, that Jesus can help you become something new, which begs the question, if Jesus doesn't leave us in our old selves, what does he help us become? Where are we going? What is the outcome? Where is Jesus taking us? It's a great question. Let's spend the rest of the morning talking about that. Today we're gonna talk about three things three places Jesus takes you, three things that Jesus helps you become. And guess what? You already know them. We've already sung about them. The first one, Jesus helps us become more faithful. He helps us become more faithful. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12, verse two says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. That is, Jesus not only gives us our faith, but he doesn't just leave it to you to figure out what it is. Jesus gives you your faith, and then he spends your entire walk with him perfecting it, making it better, renewing it to something even more. How does Jesus do that? Great question. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the word of God. In other words, hearing God's word builds your faith. Hearing God's word builds your faith. Some of you are like, that is way too simple. No, the problem is we just complicate it. Let me give you an example of what this looks like. When I was 10 years old, my mom committed a crime that put her in prison for five years of my life. 
It could have been 10. In fact, at 10 years old, I was told it might be 10 years of my life. And moving from a young boy to a young man from age 10 to 15, it was some of the hardest years of my life. Not just growing up without a mom, but growing up in not great circumstances with a stepmom that didn't like me. We didn't go to church. I didn't know Jesus. In fact, if you would have said to me the word disciple, I wouldn't have known if you were talking about a person, a phrase, or if you just made something up. I mean, I was at ground zero, but my mom found Jesus behind bars. And she used to write me these letters. Every single week, she would write me a letter. It was one of the only communications I had with her. The jail was too far. I got to do that a couple of times, but mainly I talked to my mom for five years of my life through letters. Every week, I would get a letter, and every letter, she would tell me something about God. She would tell me something about Jesus. She would use this phrase, just have faith, just have faith, just have faith. I had no idea what that meant. No idea. 10 years old, I didn't even care. I just wanted my mom. But she said, just have faith, just have faith, just have faith. She taught me how to pray in those letters. She laid a foundation that I would build on for years and years afterwards when she was finally released. She found a church where she was and the church came down to the town that I lived in and so I got to visit her and this church at the same time. And in one weekend, all of the words and phrases that I had been reading in these letters came crashing down into one moment where I witnessed for myself Christians living out their faith, where I saw my mom living out this faith that she had been telling me about for years, and all of a sudden, I wanted it for myself. In one weekend, I gave my life to Jesus. That's all it took. One weekend, Jesus helped me become more faithful by hearing his word, letter after letter, year after year. Maybe you are in a similar situation that I was whenever I was in the darkness of not having my mom around, where my faith, whatever that was for me at the time, was weak. It was burdened. It was in trouble. And maybe you're in a similar situation where you don't feel very faithful. Maybe it's not jail like me. Maybe it's a death of somebody that you loved. Maybe it's a job that you lost or a dream that you crushed or an identity that isn't lining up with truth. And all of a sudden, you are feeling the weight of a faith that you don't even know what to do with. You don't even know what faith is entirely. I want to read to you Isaiah chapter 43. It's one of the last pieces of scripture my mom wrote in a letter, and we're gonna put this whole thing to a test. Let's see if God's word actually can build something inside of us. And I want you to hear these words for the first time. Take away everything you know. If your faith is weak and burdened right now, hear these words from God. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. 
Those of us who believe in Jesus, who have that new creation working inside of us, you can't help but feel something. God doing something inside of you. You may not know what it is. You may not be, be able to identify it. But I remember reading these words for the first time in my mom's handwriting and feeling God stacking some stone on top of another inside of me. It was as if God was whispering into my 15-year-old ear, listen, buddy, in the midst of all the pain that you're feeling, you're not going to be set ablaze. You won't be swept over. Why? Because I am your God. I know you don't know what that means, buddy, but I'm calling you to me. You are my son. I will protect you. And in that process of hearing God's word, of reading it year after year, letter after letter, seeing it then being lived out, it was as if pressure had been building up and all it took was a spark of witnessing a Christian in action Jesus built my faith time after time, and today he's still building it. He builds it with his word. He builds it with his church. He builds it with his spirit that permeates inside of me. Jesus helps us become more faithful. Jesus also helps us become more joyful. Now, everybody searches for joy somewhere, Right? It's a quest that God has actually placed on every one of our hearts. We're all questing, we're all looking, and it's actually designed to drive us towards God. This pursuit of joy, it's like a magnet, right? We should be attracted to God this way. The problem is, is that in our lifelong quest of joy, many people just ignore God outright. And in their God amnesia, they look for joy all of the places that it can't be found, and then they end up empty-handed wondering why they don't feel the joy that they've been promised. It's important to remember, you can only look for joy in two places. Two places. You can either find it in its fullest vertically, or you can shop for it your entire life horizontally. Those are the only two places that you can look for joy. And the problem is, is that we live in a world that's full of engagement and entertainment and meeting our desires. And I'm here to tell you, nothing in this world will please your quest for joy. It's like an apple tree, which produces apples, right? Yeah, pretty basic. An apple tree produces apple because it's a... It's an apple tree, right? Okay, easy logic here, okay? I'm not trying to trick you, right? It doesn't have to try to produce an apple. It just does it. It doesn't have to work hard. It doesn't have to think about it. It's in its nature. It's an apple tree. It produces apple. But here's the thing. No matter how hard you squeeze that apple tree, no matter how bad that apple tree wants to be something different, you will not get a pear from an apple tree. You just won't do it. It's not going to happen. And the same is true for you. Our joy comes from a right relationship with God. It's not something that we can produce on our own. It's not something that no matter how hard you squeeze it out of you or squeeze the world to try to find joy that you'll eventually get it. It's just not possible. The world cannot offer you joy. Joy is like a seed planted inside of you. It's called the spirit which produces that joy and love that you seek so much but it comes from something outside of you. Now, please understand, you can be happy 
But happiness and joy are worlds apart from each other. Happiness depends on your happenings. Joy depends on Jesus. Happiness depends on your happenings. What's happening to me right now? What's going on around me right now? What's what's interacting with me right now? How do I feel right now? And you can be extremely happy without God. But it's fickle. It's fragile. And you know all the well that it doesn't last. That what we want, and the only place we can get it, is joy. And joy comes from Jesus. It comes from somewhere inside of us. Something that's been placed inside of us that overflows from our heart. And we've seen this in the story of Christmas that we've been reading to the kids before every sermon this month. Right, the angel comes to the shepherds who are just tending their flock. Poor shepherds, can you imagine? And the angel even has to say, do not be afraid. Just popping out of nowhere on you. But I bring the good news that will cause great joy for all people. Why is this great joy for all people? Because today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And to you, and to you, and to you, and to you. A savior has been born, and that is what causes us joy. Not happiness. It comes from a right relationship with God. Jesus can make us more faithful. Jesus can make us more joyful. And lastly, Jesus can make us more triumphant. Now, to feel more triumphant, you often have to rely on somebody else outside of you. Somebody who helps you become and have the feeling of triumph. Because many times, as we talked about, whenever I am by myself, I feel deflated or defeated or overcome. Every year, we send uh, people to Liberia, Africa. Now, Liberia is a country that's been ripped apart over the years by greed and war and violence. Today, they are, I guess you could call it the rebuilding phase, but they have a long way to go. 83% of Liberians, 83% of Liberians live on a dollar and 25 cents a day. A dollar and a quarter. It also has one of the youngest populations in the world. Liberia has a median age of 18 years old. 18. You know what that means if you put those two statistics together? Is that there is a large amount of children who are growing up in Liberia with poor nutrition, poor education, and poor living conditions. Now, I've been to Liberia twice. I'll be leading another trip at the end of May, which I hope God starts working on your heart today about joining us on that trip. And the reason we go and we send and we keep going is because we are followers of Jesus. We have called to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in this world. We are called to care for the orphans and the widows. We are called not just to stay here, but to go out into the world. Now, it's true. The work we do in Liberia is just a drop in the bucket of what God has been and will continue to do in Liberia. But that's how you fill a bucket. 
one drop at a time. Now here's why I'm bringing this up. It's because we don't always realize who it is that has our back, who it is that's supporting us at every single moment. If you decide, and I hope you do, to go to Liberia with us in May, here's something I can guarantee to you. All of the kids that you meet and the majority of the adults that you meet, they won't remember your name. I know, I'm really good at sales pitch. (laughs) They won't remember your name. They have way bigger things that they're worrying about, like what they're going to eat, if this infection will go away, if they will even have a chance to go to school. They don't have time or the capacity to remember our name. In fact, they can't even rationalize the idea that there is a church around the globe that has enough inward resources that they can build up money and send it over to them. They don't even have a concept for that. But that's okay. It's okay if they don't remember our name. What we want them to remember is that God has their back. And he has had their back. That God has been in Liberia and he's not leaving Liberia even whenever we get on a plane. Often we become more triumphant. We are built up when somebody outside of us bolsters us, pushes us. And for all of us, we have somebody prophecy from Isaiah. This was written hundreds of years before the night Jesus was born. And it says this, for to us, say us, for to us a child is born. To us, say us, to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and the peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. That's pretty triumphant right there. And you have been called by that king. A lot of times whenever we think of baby Jesus, this moment that this prophecy is talking about, we think of the nativity scene. We talked about that last week. Mary and Joseph and the lowing cows, which thank you, everybody. I learned what lowing means now. They're all there in that picturesque moment. And when you look at that little baby, every time you look at that baby in the manger, remind yourself that that baby would be the king of kings, the Lord of lords, that he is the alpha and the omega. What that means is he's the beginning and he is the end. He is the author of life. He is the prince of peace. He is the author of our faith. He is the perfecter of it. He is the one who spoke everything into existence. And now he is calling you no matter how broken or scared or lonely or doubtful or guilty you feel, Jesus isn't afraid of you. He calls you to him. And when you answer that call through Jesus, you will become more faithful and joyful and triumphant. So 
May you hear for the first time again the truth that has been ringing out through all of the ages. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. O come and behold him, born the king of angels. Come, let us adore him. Come, let us adore him. Come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Father God, we thank you for Christ the Lord, for a child born into this broken world to redeem it and to bring it out of the shackles of sin into glorious light found in you. Father, many of us during the season and really all times of the year, we don't feel faithful or joyful or triumphant, but Father, help us remember that this may not be a call of who we are today, but it's a promise of who we will be in you. Faith comes from you. Joy comes from you. Ultimate triumph over this world and all of its problems, it comes from you. And God, I realize there are some people in here that are not ready to let go. They're not ready to give in. They're they're comfortable where they are today. God, I pray that you will shake their hearts and their minds this morning, that you will call them to something different, that you will remind them that it may not be easy to transform, but it is worth it. It is always worth it to give your life to Jesus. Father, thank you for the gift of that baby in the manger. As we talked about last week of that holy, chaotic night and the promise that it brings of faith, joy, and triumph. We call these things into our own life by submission to our Lord Jesus. And it's in his powerful and holy name we pray. Amen.